Happy Hue is a wellness philosophy aiming to inspire a deep self-exploration towards an optimal life. I deliver thought-provoking content and experiences anchored in the ideas of neuroplasticity and Carol Dweck's idea of a growth mindset. My method focuses on the brain, the mind, the body, and the soul to empower you to discover your own approach to health and well-being. For those who don't know me, my name is Tasha. By training, I am a group instructor and nutrition coach who's worked at some of Singapore's leading boutique fitness brands like F45, House Athletics, Absolute Cycle, and currently at Barry's Singapore. Graduating with a bachelor's in philosophy, I have never been able to separate myself from a need to answer life's big questions. Entering the wellness industry in 2015, I became aware of how challenging it is to investigate what's required to optimize our well-being in and beyond physical health. The Happy Hue is a culmination of my passions towards understanding what real wellness means. To find out more, go to www.thehappyhue.com. Let me be your guide in exploring practical philosophies around uncovering your truest potential. Before we start, I want to let you know that part of this episode will go into the details of my journey through eating disorders. It's not the only topic I'll touch on, but as it may incite some strong emotions in you or anyone listening to this, I do like to mention it now. I am sharing my story because I hope my story will help someone. Also because I feel like I'm at a place where I can finally feel free to talk about what I went through. It's been a long and difficult road to get to this point, but if you are open to listen, I think this episode can be a powerful lesson. And I also feel that sharing my story is part of my healing as well. So thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your support. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of the Happy Hue podcast. So just quick reminder that a lot of the content that I'll be sharing through my podcast will be a mixture of my personal experiences, but also through my learnings, through reading, courses. So it'll be a mixture of knowledge and a mixture of personal experience. And today we will be talking about why calorie counting can perpetuate an eating disorder. So Calorie counting can perpetuate an eating disorder because of the obsession around metrics. I think for myself, I remember how calorie counting made me obsessed around the numbers. So the numbers of calories I was eating, the numbers of calories I was burning. Exercise became a way of, you know, hitting X amount of calories rather than exercise is good in itself, right? Or it was helping my body um, get stronger. It, it just I kind of lost touch with all of those benefits. I just it just became a tool or a means for me to achieve X amount of calorie burn. And same with food, it became um, it wasn't you know I want to go eat this thing because I enjoyed it. It was just became I can only eat Y amount of calories because I need to lose weight. Right. It just became all about that. And it just created this oversimplification um, around the relationship between eating and exercise. And especially if you are someone who is concerned about optimal well-being over your entire lifetime, calorie counting is probably not the best method of achieving your goals. And 
it's because you want to create a sustainable relationship around eating that will last you a lifetime. And what calorie counting tends to do is it just creates this unhealthy obsessions around numbers and metrics, which is also very unnatural if you think about it. So by the way, when I'm speaking about calories today, it's really under the context of dietary calorie counting and in the most common way we know calories like food labels and um, calorie burn in um, exercise. If you want to go into de- the scientific detail, you know, calories actually, the way that we talk about it is actually kilocalories and it's, you know, representing um, the the amount of heat that it takes to, you know, take a temperature of water up and all of that. So if you really want to go into the detail and the science, the gritty of it, um, you can Google that on your own time. But for the purposes of today's episode and for what I'm talking about in my podcast, we are just talking about the calories as we know it and calories um, as we know it and on the food label, let's say. So at the end of the day, the reason why we're interested about calories in this context is about energy input, energy output. It's um, more or less about understanding how we can lose weight, you know, by eating less calories or burning more calories than we eat, then we will lose weight, right? That's usually typically about why we are interested in this topic, about why this topic comes into the picture. And let's caveat a little bit that calorie counting is not wrong. It's not it's not false, right? It's it's factual. It does work, but it does work and it is convenient only, I would say, for losing weight for a short-term goal. So let's say you're an actor and you need to lose X amount of weight to to for your role in this new movie, right? Um, and you have a target weight loss, you have six months to that role. So you have six months to lose that weight. So calorie counting and calorie, um, counting in terms of the energy output will probably be an effective way just because you have a short-term goal and there's an end to the goal. So there's, there's a limit and, and so calorie counting does work, right? Because at the end of the day, it is a method that is factual, but it's just an oversimplification. And that's why I don't recommend it if you're talking about longevity and sustainability. Um, also, calorie counting is oversimplified in terms of that the fact that it's actually just an estimation, not an exact count the way that we tend to or people tend to look at it. Um, or definitely I did when I was obsessed with calorie counting. I thought it was an exact measurement of food, um, which it is not. So it brings me to my next point. Let's first understand the limitations around calories and the food labels and calories and also the calories that we think about when we exercise, right? Calories is not an effective way because At the end of the day, calories is only an estimation, not an exact measurement. So the way scientists measure calories, right, they combust food and then the heat that escapes, they measure to um, how much that heat will take up, sorry, how much heat will change the temperature of the water. And then that's kind of the calorie measurement um, and the energy measurement that they count. But let's just think about it for a second, right? The number of calories 
in one apple is not going to be the same in the next apple because nature just doesn't work like that. You know, nature does not produce the exact same apple in the exact same size, right? Um, the number, so the number of calories in a particular food, even though the food label says it's X amount of calories or you Google, you know, how many, how many calories is in a carrot, let's say, or whatever, um, is not going to be exactly the same as the carrot that you consume on that particular day that you have a carrot, right? Um, so the, the, the density of, uh, the caloric density in each carrot is different from carrot to carrot. And also another factor that might not be considered is the fact that a produce changes its nutrient density based on how it's grown, where it's grown, the soil, the water, when it was harvested, you know, the weather. Like there's honestly, there's so many different factors that actually contributes to the nutrient density of each particular food. So in that sense, calorie counted the measurement of the calories that um is on a food label or what you google online may not be so accurate and that's why so this is why right another factor that may not be considered is also the fact that the amount of calories absorbed by each body is different and it can be drastically different by the way and what factors contribute to that difference is a lot right so let's say you and i consume the same piece of apple you and i take the same apple we half it i eat one half you eat one half we are not going to absorb the same amount of calories from that same apple why because calorie sorry uh yeah calorie absorption has a lot to do with the condition and context of the body on that particular day. So it's not only in general, our overall microbiome and body function, but it's also a factor of how our body is functioning on that particular day. Why? Let's backtrack a little bit, right? The brain is the control center of every function in our body. So the way we digest, the way we absorb nutrients is commanded at the end of the day by how the brain is functioning on that day. So the amount of sleep that we have, let's say, is also an influence on the number of calories that we absorb on that day because of how the brain signals will kind of translate to the how the body functions and then the body functions will also translate to how much nutrients you absorb but on top of that there's also other factors like your genetic makeup your micro your gut microbiome your um eating her heritage right like what your ancestors have been eating um let's say maybe if your ancestors have been eating white white rice for generations, it's probably your body, it's probably likely that your body has evolved to process white rice better than let's say someone else coming from another part of the world that rarely eats white rice. So things like heritage, things like genetic makeup really influences how you absorb food. And like I said, again, it's also about how the body is, um, the body's condition on that day. So sleep, 
and how the body the brain functions on that day is also a factor in terms of how your body absorbs calories so again from between each body the calories absorbed is already different so i'm just trying to establish here why calories are is really not an effective way to measure um sorry it's, it's not an effective way of eating because because what first of all the measurement of the calories in each food is inaccurate right it's just an estimation and then on top of that the amount of calories that you actually absorb on that day is influenced by so many different factors that it just discounts kind of why calories even matter. And then on top of that, each body, so even if you're looking at your food label and there's an estimation and you're already counting your calories right, your body and genetic makeup also influences how much calories that you can absorb from that particular food. So there's so many factors that kind of disqualifies why calorie counting even matters, right? What that's why I said that earlier that calorie counting can be effective for a short-term goal and for a very specific goal of weight loss perhaps um or even for weight gain, let's say you have a role and then you want to weight gain for um for your muscle, bot, your bodybuilding competition, let's say, you know, it, it can be an effective way because it's a short-term goal. And the estimations is, is an after all, an estimation. So it can work to your advantage if you have a very specific short-term goal. But if you're talking about longevity, now you're starting to see why it becomes ineffective. You're trying to see why it doesn't actually make sense if you're obsessing over the calories. Now, as the title of this episode suggests, we are going to talk about why calorie counting can perpetuate an eating disorder. And now I'm really going to get into my personal experience on how I developed an eating disorder. So I didn't know, obviously, about all this information about that calories um, is just an estimation and how the body absorbs calories differently and how our genetic makeup and body condition on the day itself actually imparts how our um, body absorbs the calories that we consume. So I didn't know all of this. So I was when I uh, basically what happened was in my first year of university, I was in the United States. I had gained nine to 10 kilos in my first year, which is quite a lot for my frame. Um, and I never used to weigh myself until this one time I was just happened to be at my friend's house. There was a scale and I stepped on the scale and I realized that I gained, had gained so much weight in such a short time, you know, nine to 10 kilos in a year is quite a lot of weight. Um, and I started to panic. I thought, oh my gosh, how can I gain so much weight in such a short time? And what do I do about it? I need to lose weight now, 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 ASAP, 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 right? Um, in that panic, in that sense of panic, the method that I thought was the most easy, the most convenient way of losing weight was calorie counting. So I started to count my calories. I started to look at, you know, how much each food I was eating, how much calories was in each food. I started obsessing over the food labels, you know, how many calories that I was eating in my, the food that I was buying. And then it, what got me frustrated was when I was eating out. When I was eating out, 
at a restaurant at the time i think now there's some progressive restaurants that actually have calorie measurements but at the time when i was in los angeles uh even in the mecca of the wellness industry and you know diet industry and all that there was not a lot of restaurants that had calorie counts on their menus so i just became really obsessed of googling what each food was and then it actually even became um because it was so hard to measure the calories when i was eating out i just kind of decided that i wasn't going to eat out and i just started to isolate myself from my friends and i just decided i'm going to eat every meal at home and if i went out with my friends i would kind of just be you know i already ate at home so i'm just going to not eat at the restaurant i'm just going to sit with you guys and hang out but or for the most part because most of my friends thought it was a little weird that i didn't eat when we went to the restaurant um i just ended up kind of isolating myself and eating at home and what this what first started as an obsession around calorie counting it developed into an eating disorder which is called orthorexia so if you're not familiar what with what orthorexia is Orthorexia is the kind of eating disorder where you become so obsessive over healthy eating that it actually becomes detrimental to your health. So for me in my case um because I really wanted to lose weight fast I started to count calories and I became really obsessed over it. I also became obsessed over picking out low calorie foods which tend to be um you know things like salads and stuff like that and i wasn't even focused on a balanced diet i was just focusing on low calorie foods low calorie foods and i wasn't focused on nourishing myself so i was working out like crazy on top of that i was obsessed with just pushing my body to the limit because i was trying to burn as many calories as i can which ended up also i had a moment of um pushing myself to the to the limit where i actually caused myself harm by pushing myself into like a feverish and crazy state because i overworked my body and overtrained my body to a state of exhaustion and that's a topic for another episode but going back to the calorie counting um i was so obsessed with the calorie counting it perpetuated this this eating disorder of orthorexia just became really really obsessed with eating healthy um so i was only really picking foods that was low low in calories and not really thinking about you know replenishing my nutrients you know eating protein and eating um let's say nuts and seeds eating some carbs i wasn't concerned about balance diet all i was concerned about is low calorie intake and and then i became obsessed with also eating a lot of like um the you know the low calorie energy bars or like eating um instead of eating a meal i would drink a protein shake which to be honest a protein shake has so much sugar in it especially if you're not picking you know the plant based protein shakes or if you're eating a lot with the sugary ones the flavored ones like the chocolate protein shakes or um you got to look at where it's from because some of it has a lot of sugar and at the end of the day all these powdered forms of food is you know processed food and even a low calorie 
energy bar. At the end of the day, it's a processed food. And what a processed food is, right, is food that took a lot of steps for it to be edible. And I wasn't concerned of any of that. All I was focused on is the low calorie intake for me to lose weight. So that perpetuated an orthorexic eating disorder. And I eventually, because I wasn't losing the weight, because what ended up happening with me was I was so obsessed, so obsessed, so obsessed, um, but I wasn't really seeing the weight lost um, fast enough. So I ended up really pushing myself into this restrictive mindset. So I didn't let myself have anything outside of, I think, vegetables. So this is where I even tried being a vegan. I tried being vegetarian um, to lose weight. Um, I wasn't really trying to be vegan or vegetarian because of the environment of be- or because I was concerned for anything else. I was honestly trying to do it just to lose weight. And I became very restrictive around my diet. I didn't want to eat dessert. I didn't want to eat you know, rice. I didn't want to eat anything else outside of vegetables, which is also also detrimental to your health. And, and because I was so obsessed about eating only vegetables and maybe I'll had a bit of fish here and there. Um, I actually ended up binging a lot on the unhealthy foods because let's say I would be very, very successful in restricting myself from eating, um, unhealthy foods and I would only eat vegetables for let's say maybe four or five days straight and I was so successful but then the rest of the time I I just found myself like obsessing over trying to eat cake or cereal or something sugary and and probably because I was so depleted of nutrients my body was craving for more food because I was so um I was basically causing myself like a malnutrition, right? Because I wasn't eating the right nutrients. I wasn't eating the right foods to replenish my energy. So my body was probably craving so much more energy than I was eating. And I became obsessed. Um, When you're at that state of, you know, malnourishment and not eating enough, your body is going to go into survival mode, basically. And when you're in that survival mode, the thing that you want to reach for or the body the thing that you crave most is actually the higher dense foods which is of like sugar sugary foods because that's your body is just thinking you are on survival mode you need to replenish your your calories now and what you end up wanting to eat is the high high caloric unhealthy foods like sugary foods and so i ended up eating a lot of sugary foods But then when I ate the sugary foods, I obviously started to feel guilty. And that is when I ended up going into a bulimic state. So I was orthorexic in restricting myself to this, trying to eat super, super healthy, which I thought was just eating salads. But then I caused myself this malnourishment and caused myself, pushed myself into this state of, of craving the sugary foods because my body was lacking in energy. And then I pushed myself into a bulimic state because I was eating so much of the sugar, binging on the sugary foods that I felt so guilty that I had to do something about it. And I ended up bulimic. So this lasted for a period 
of two to three years between the ages of 19 to I want to say my last binge was about 21. Um, it was really bad for a year and then it was kind of on and off for a year and a half. Um, and it just, it, it just become, it became really crazy because at the end of the day, I know I'm a foodie. I love food. I love eating. I love experiencing different types of cuisine. I love going out, experiencing new food. I appreciate different types of food, different types of cultures through cuisines. And in this period where I was suffering from my eating disorders, I just couldn't enjoy food anymore. I was just in a rut. I was really obsessing over how many calories I was burning, how many calories I was eating, how many calories is in each ingredient in each type of food. And I just lost touch. I really lost touch with myself. I became bulimic. And I think that was really my low. And the crazy thing was that I knew and well, I was guilty for eating the food. So that's why I puked it all out. And I was you know, sticking my finger down my throat. I was sticking a spoon down my throat to puke this food out. Um, and then I felt guilty about the puke, right? Felt guilty that I've, I realized that, what am I doing? This is so messed up. And then it just perpetuated this entire cycle of guilt, guilt, guilt. And But at the same time, even though I know it was wrong, I also couldn't take myself out of the cycle. Um, so what ended up being this cycle of, you know, eating to get myself out of the guilt created more guilt. And then on top of that, what ended up happening is because I was able to purge, I thought because I was also stressed out, you know, my coping mechanism was to eat more. So I ended up eating more on my binges. So I would like eat an entire box of cereal by myself in one sitting drink like half a carton of milk which in america half a carton of milk is huge right it's not the little boxes that we get here now in singapore it's a huge carton of milk i'm not a very large human being so eating a box of cereal and half a carton of milk is a lot of food in one sitting and i would eat all that in one sitting and then binge it out and and over the toilet I would spend you know and like a good time over that toilet binging all this food out and then I would sit on the floor and I remember I was just so sad and depressed because I was like what am I doing to myself you know and I, I and at this point after doing this for a number of months I realized I was losing touch with myself. I was losing touch with my sanity. And thank God, and I really mean it, I thank God for it. Um, I got myself to a point where I thought I need help. Um, I, I need to see someone. I need to seek help because this is not where I want to be. And this is not who I want to be. So what I ended up doing was I found a therapist for myself and I started seeing a therapist and at the time I was so ashamed of this I couldn't tell anybody I didn't want to tell my friends I didn't tell anyone I was seeing a therapist because I was really embarrassed about why I was seeing a therapist 
But honestly, seeing a therapist was one of the best decisions of my entire life. So this is, uh, if anyone is struggling with something similar, I highly encourage that you talk about it. I highly encourage that you seek help because orthorexia and bulimia is not a way to live. Because at the end of the day, we have to realize, you know, that food is our friend. And what I've been able to realize over the years is that food is not just a means to gain calories. Food is really a relationship. It's a relationship that we need to nurture, that I need to nurture. And it's a relationship that I should cherish. Because at the end of the day, food is fueled to every function in the human body. Food is what replenishes our energy in order for us to function, not just for exercise, but also in our normal everyday functioning. You know, when we're sitting down, our heart is pumping. That takes energy and that takes food to fuel. So I am so glad that I'm able to talk about it now. And the fact that I'm able to openly talk about my eating disorder and what I went through is because I feel like I'm in a place where I have a handle on things. And uh, my last binge, my last purge was when I was 21. And to give you context now, I'm 29. I'm turning 30s this year. So it's been quite some time. And it feels really freeing to be able to share my story and to talk about this. Because for a while, um, even, you know, that was when I was about 21, right? That was the last binge to now. This is really the first time where I've been able to be fully open about my experience. Because between that period, I was still kind of working through the psychological impact and factors of dealing with the ripple effects, right? I just wanted to make sure before I shared my story that I was 100% sure that I, I've dealt with all the emotions and the, the, all the emotional baggage that comes with it. Because obviously, as I talk to a lot of people in the industry, as I talk to a lot of females, males, um, about eating and eating disorders, I realize that I know I'm not alone. I know that a lot of people out there suffer from the same insecurities that I had suffered from. So I hope sharing my story will help someone. But I think it's also important that before I shared my story that I had to make sure I was confident that I had already deal, uh, dealt with my emotions and the histories of why I went through the eating disorder. and. Obviously, all of us, if you are suffering from eating an eating disorder, all of us will go into it because of very different reasons in a very different context at very different periods in our time. So just know that this journey of life, of wellness, is always a very subjective journey. It's always at your own time. It's always about whether you're ready to deal with it, whether... Um, you're ready to face it. And it's really not a matter of age. It's not about, you know, trying to get through it fast. It's not about trying to talk about it as fast as you can. It's really about tuning into what you need. It's about 
being self-aware about what you're ready for. And that's the best advice that I can give. And in terms of eating and in terms of best practices, the best tips I I can give you is create self-awareness about how you eat, eat slowly, and be aware that food is your friend, not your enemy. So I hope this episode is beneficial to you. So at the end of each episode, I will be asking a question to stimulate some introspection in you. And this week's question is, what are your deepest insecurities? And do you have a handle on them or are they controlling you? And that is a wrap from the Happy Hue podcast. My name is Tasha. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to stay up to date with the latest uploads wherever you listen from. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please rate it, share it so that more people can listen and benefit from these episodes. Find me on Instagram at The Happy Hue or go to my website at www.thehappyhue.com for more inspirational wellness content. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions on topics you'd like me to cover for this podcast, connect with me online, drop me a message, leave me a comment, and I will try to cover as many topics that you'd like to listen to. Thank you again for listening. My name is Tasha signing out from the Happy Hue Podcast. I also want to share one more resource on my website, www.thehappyhue.com, where you can submit any questions you may have anonymously directly on my website at Submit to Ask the Hue. It's a column on wellness where I share my perspectives through questions and answers and that I'll be answering to the best of my knowledge and expertise. This is a resource that I wish I had when I first was starting out in my journey of health and wellness and fitness. I wish I could just ask someone. So I hope this helps you. I hope this helps the readers that reads the questions and answers. So go onto the website, check it out, submit your questions, and I will be there to answer it. By the way, I'd like to stay transparent in saying that nothing I talk about on my podcast should ever substitute as any medical advice. I am a certified coach, not a registered doctor, so the content of my episodes, although based on facts, are a reflection of my experiences as a fitness professional and of my own wellness journey. All the advice shared are meant to be as general advice and opinions. So if you're making any decisions that will impact your health, make sure to consult with a medical professional.